0: Welcome to the Hackberry House of Chosun. My name is Bob and reading today from Martin Luther. We started a message of his last time about the new man and the old man. The, The passage of scripture that Luther is using here is in Ephesians chapter 5 verses 15 to 21. And he starts talking here in the end, at the beginning actually, of paragraph 19 of his message about two classes of sins. And he says, wherefore, from the scripture, wherefore, putting away falsehood, speak truth, each one with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. 19. Lest there might be one who failed to understand the meaning of the old and the new man or of true and false righteousness and holiness, the apostle now proceeds to give an example or two, making it easier for us to grasp the idea. All sin comes under one of two classes. First, that of the devil's own making, such as murder and deceit, for by lies he establishes all idolatry, error, false faith, and holiness, and among men he creates faithlessness, deceit, malice, and so on. Secondly, those sins which he instigates man to commit against man, deeds of wrath, hatred, vengeance, and murder. Paul combines these two classes, number 20. Now, when a man does not deal fairly with his neighbor, but practices dishonesty and deceit, be it in matters spiritual or temporal, and the world is ever deceitful in all transactions, then certainly the old man holds sway and not righteousness nor holiness, however much the man may affect a good appearance and evade the courts. For such conduct does not reflect God's image, but the devil's. For the heart does not rely on God and his truth, otherwise it would war with fraud and deception. But its object is to clothe itself with a misleading garb, even assuming the name of God, and thus to deceive, to belie, betray, and forsake its neighbor at the bidding of every fiendish whim, and all for the satisfaction of its avarice, selfishness, and pride. In contrast thereto, you can recognize the new man. He speaks the truth. He hates lies. Not only those momentous lies against the first table of the Ten Commandments, but also those against the second table. For he deals faithfully and, and in a brotherly way with others, doing as he would be done by himself. Thus should Christians live with each other, as members of one body, according to the Apostle, and as having in Christ all things common and alike, Be ye angry, and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. 22. Half the sins which the world has learned of its Lord and Master, the devil, consist in lying and deceiving and that in the name and appearance of truth. No one wants to be called a liar. Even the devil covers his lies with the name of truth. The other half, which is easier to recognize, consists in wrath and its fruits. And this class is usually the result of the other. The world, for its own advantage, lies and deceives. And when it sees mankind acting in opposition to its wishes, or beholds its lies exposed and its schemes thwarted, it begins to rage in wrath against God, endeavoring to avenge itself and inflict harm, but fraudulently disguising its wicked motive under the plea of having good and abundant reasons for its action. 23. Therefore, Paul admonishes the Christians as new creatures to guard against this vice of wrath, adducing the fourth verse of the fourth psalm, stand in awe and sin not. The repetition of this passage sounds in Paul's rendering as if permission to be angry were given. He says, be ye angry and sin not. But Paul is taking into consideration the way of the world. Men are tempted and moved to anger. These are no clean records. Under sudden provocation, the heart swells with ire, while the devil busily fans the flame, for he is ever alert to stamp upon us his seal and image and make us like unto him, either through error and false doctrine, or through wrath and murder in conflict with love and patience. These two forms of evil you will encounter, especially if you make an effort to be a godly Christian to defend the truth, and to live uprightly in the sight of all. You will meet with all manner of malice, aforethought, and deceit, and with faithlessness and malignity on the part of those you have benefited, again with unmasked violence and injustice on the part of those who should protect you and see to your interests. This will hurt and move you to wrath. Yea, in your own house, And among your dear Christian brethren, you will often meet with that which vexes you. Again, a word of yours may hurt their feelings, and it will not be otherwise. This life of ours is so constituted that such conditions must be. Flesh and blood cannot but be stirred at times by wrath and impatience, especially when it receives evil for good. And the devil is ever at at hand kindling your anger anger, and, and endeavoring to fan into a blaze the wrath and ill humor between yourself and your neighbor. 24. But right here, says the apostle, you should beware and not sin, not give rein, nor yield to the impulse and promptings of wrath. That you may indeed be moved, the apostle would say, I, I well know, and you may fancy to have the best of reasons for exhibiting anger and vengeance, but beware of doing what your wrath would have you do. And if overcome by wrath and led to rashness, do not continue in it, do not harbor it, but subdue and restrain it. The sooner the better. Do not suffer it to take root or to remain with you overnight. 25. If followed, Wrath will not allow you to do a single right thing, as James affers, James 1.20. It causes man to fall and sin against God and his neighbor. Even the heathen have seen that wrath gets the better of reason, and it is never the source of good counsel. In line with this, we read that St. Ambrose reproved the emperor Theodosius for having, while in a rage, caused the execution of many persons in Thessalonica and that he succeeded in having the emperor issue a rescript to the effect that no one should be executed even on his imperial order and command until a full month had passed by, thus affording an opportunity to rescind the order if given in haste and wrath. 26. Therefore the psalm says, When wrath attacks and moves you, do not at once give it leave to do its will. Therein you would certainly commit sin. But go into your chamber. Commune and take counsel with yourself. Pray the Lord's Prayer. Repeat some good passages from God's Word. Curb yourself. Confide in God. He will uphold your rights. 27. It is this the Apostle has in mind when he says let not the sun go down upon your wrath a christian must not entertain wrath he should instantly quench and stifle it it is the part of the new man to control anger that the devil may not move him from his new-found faith and make him lose what he has received if he yields to these instigations of his flesh He thereby returns to the error and condemnation in the old man and loses control of himself following his own desires. Then he adorns a lie with the appearance of truth, claiming the right to be angry and take revenge, just as the world does when it asserts, this fellow has done me infinite violence and injustice. Am I to suffer it? I have a just cause. I shall not recline my head in ease, Until he is repaid. By such talk it loses its case before both God and men. As the saying goes, he that strikes back has the most unjust cause. 28. Both divine and human justice forbids that a man be judged in his own case. For this very reason God has established governmental and judicial authority in his stead to punish transgressions, which, when properly administered, is not man's but God's judgment. He therefore that invades such judgment invades the authority of God himself. He commits a double wrong and merits double condemnation. If you desire to seek and obtain redress in the courts, you're at liberty to do so, provided you proceed in the proper way, at the proper place, And with those to whom God has entrusted authority, to these authorities you may appeal for redress. If you obtain it according to law, well and good, if not, you must suffer wrong and commit your case to God, as we have explained more fully elsewhere. 29. In short, we find in this unique passage a statement to the effect that he who curbs not his wrath but retains it longer than a day or overnight. Cannot be a Christian. Where then do they stand to entertain wrath and hatred indefinitely for one, two, three, seven, ten years? Such is no longer human wrath, but fiendish wrath from hell. It will not be satisfied nor extinguished, but when it once takes possession of a man, he would, if able, destroy everything in a moment with his hellish fire. Even so, the arch-fiend is not satisfied with having cast the whole human race into sin and death, but will not rest content unless he can drag all human beings into eternal damnation. 30. A Christian, therefore, has ample cause to carefully guard against this vice. God may have patience with you, when wrath wells up in your heart, although that too is sinful. But take heed that wrath does not overcome you and cause you to fall. Rather, take serious counsel with yourself and extinguish and expel your anger by applying passages of holy writ and calling upon your faith. When alone or about to retire, repeat the Lord's Prayer. Ask for forgiveness. Confess that God daily forgives you, much oftener, Than your neighbor sins against you. Neither give place to the devil, he goes back to the scripture, let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands, the thing that is good, that he may have whereof to give to him that hath need. 31. This thought is brought out also in the next epistle. Namely, that a Christian should guard against giving offense to anybody by his life, lest God's name be blasphemed. It is a grand thing to be a Christian who, as has been stated, is a new man, created after God and a true image of God, wherein God himself desires to be reflected. Therefore, whatever of good a Christian does, or whatever of evil he does, under the name of a Christian, either honors or disgraces God's name. Now, says Paul, whenever you follow your lusts in obedience to your old Adam, you do not but give occasion to the slanderers, the devil and his troop, to blaspheme the name of God. For the devil, even without your assistance, at all times seeks opportunity, nor can he desist, to be foul Our dear gospel, and the name of God, with his slanderous tales, composed, if need be, entirely of lies. But where he finds the semblance of occasion, he knows how to profit by it. He will then open his mouth wide and cry, Behold, these are your gospel people. Here you have the fruits of this new doctrine. Is there Christ such a one as they honor by their lives? And so then a Christian should be exceedingly careful and cautious for this reason, if for no other, to protect the name and honor of his dear God and Savior and not to do the devil the favor of letting him wet his slanderous tongue on Christ's name. How shall we stand and answer in his sight when we cannot deny the fact that our life gives just cause for complaint and offence. By such a life we inventionally, intentionally bring disgrace and shame upon God's name and God's word, which things should be our highest treasures and most valuable possessions. When the apostle says, Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing that is good. That he may have whereof to give to him that hath need, he indicates the true fruit of repentance, which consists in abandoning and utterly abstaining from evil and in doing good. He at the same time attacks and reproves the sin of theft so common in all walks of life. Them who idle away their time and neglect their duty of serving and helping their fellow beings, he calls, and rightfully, thieves. In God's sight, for the right interpretation of the commandment thou shalt not steal is this, thou shalt live of thine own work that thou mayest have to give to the needy. This is your bounden duty, and if you do not so, God will pronounce you not a Christian, but a thief and a robber. In the first place, because you are an idler and do not support yourself, but live by the sweat and toil of others. In the second place, because you withhold from your neighbor what you plainly owe him. Where now shall we find those who keep this commandment? Indeed, where should we dare look for them, except where no people live? But such a class of people should Christians be. Therefore, let each of us beware. Lest he deceive himself, God will not be mocked or deceived. Galatians 6. 7. Martin Luther. Thank you, Lord, for Martin Luther. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Does it not convict you, my listeners today? Maybe it's just me. A good word from a good man. We're following other great men of God on this uh, website. I hope that you'll look around. Click on the word series and see the other kinds of things that are available to you. Especially the North Korea audio series, the North Korea photo series, and uh, just a lot of things about North Korea, even in Korean language, 400 audios. Uh, we study the Quran on this website. We study Muhammad. We study prophecy. We go through the Bible, uh, commentaries on whole books of the Bible. We're doing Romans right now, you may know. And I've written some books, if you will click on Store. Please visit my other website, FaulknerTales.com, and the new blog at TeenGulag.com. This is the Hackberry House of Chosun, Lord willing. We'll get to talk again real soon. Bye-bye.